Today we're going to continue in this series on uh, chasing carrots. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn me to 2 Timothy chapter 6. And we're just going to look at three verses. I'm going to have some other scriptures that are going to come alongside that. Uh, that uh, are not going to be on the screen that are just kind of supplemental. Uh, and so if I go too fast or say it too quick, just see me and I'll, I'll be happy to, to send you those, those various verses. But we're talking in this series about stuff. And today I want to talk about kind of the endless pursuit. If we're not careful, what I would call the monster of more. Now, I know this is not really fair to do this right before Black Friday. I get it, right? I understand. Uh, and so like my sister-in-law is like a vicious Black Friday shopper. I mean, she has everything mapped out. She stands in line. She has a, she has a plan that she attacks everything. And she looks at me like, are you not going to do this? And I go, no. I did this one time. There was one time that I thought, man, I'm going to get the savings on this television. And I remember like getting a black eye and having a chipped tooth when it was all done with. I'm just joking. But I mean, it felt like that, like you were just battered and bruised over like a savings on a TV that I just said, never again. I will never, ever, 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 ever do that again. And so... But the deal is, is we're kind of coming into this season of stuff and, and things. And, and um, so I thought this would be a great time to talk about this because I think this is kind of where we're living. Because many of you, if I ask you the question, do you think you're rich? If you're filthy rich, I don't know that very many, if anyone, would say yes. And not because you're trying to be modest, but because you literally don't feel like that you are. The truth of the matter is Gallup did a poll. And here's what's interesting. This is very, very interesting to me is that they, they inquired of people who made $30,000 a year annually and said, what would it take for you to feel like you were rich? And they basically said double their income, a little bit more than that at 74,000. They asked people that were making 50 and it was 100 and, and 100, it was 200 and 250, it was a half, it was 500,000. It just kind of, it's kind of like whatever double is that I'm making, if I could double my income, if I could have just a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, I would be rich. I would, would be satisfied. I would have enough. I would be what I'd like to say, fat, nasty, loaded. I mean, I just would have everything. The problem with rich is that it's a moving target. It, it never stops. How much do you need to be happy? Just a little bit more. Just one more upgrade. Just, just, just one more of this, one more of that. And when we talk about this, the, 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 there's good news and bad news. The good news is, is that you are rich. If you look at the world today, over 3 billion people on the planet exist on $2 a day. So about half of the world exists on 2 bucks a day. About $60 a month. Less than $1,000 a year. I know it gets really quiet at that point. And so when you look at it from there, you, you, you are rich. You have so much more. You don't think that you do because you live around rich people and who all kind of have the same thing you do, but somebody has a, uh, they just got a new improved uh, snowblower, or, or somebody else just got a new truck, or they just got a new hunting rifle, or they just got a new car, or they just got a, a vacation house, or they just got a, whatever it may be, you kind of find yourself in these places. And so you kind of look and you think for a moment, like I'm, it's not me, but the truth of the matter is it is. I'm not going to this passage today, but when we're talking about stuff and this, this becomes kind of a very, very um, fitting in Luke's gospel, chapter 18. Jesus is having this encounter with the rich young ruler. So this isn't a parable. This isn't a story with a meaning. This is an actual account. 
And Jesus, when he approaches, when this rich young ruler comes and says, look, what do I have to do in order to have eternal life? And, and what do I have to do to really to be a follower of yours? And Jesus basically says, hey, follow the law and do all these things. He says, I have, but yet there's still this emptiness. He said, then sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. And the Bible says that he drops his head and he, in sorrow, walks away and basically says, I'm sorry, I just can't do that. And Jesus makes this statement and verse 24 and 25, he says, Jesus looked at him and said, how hard is it for the rich to enter into the kingdom of God? Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle. Why? Why is that difficult? Is it difficult? Does that mean rich people don't get to heaven? No, it doesn't mean that at all. Does it mean that, that, that rich people, that God doesn't like rich people? No, not at all. Quite frankly, if you really want to know what I think, Rich people in America probably have been more maligned, more marginalized, and less evangelized than any other group in the social demographics that we have in our country. Because, again, it's just easy to kind of pick on that 1% or that 2% or that 5% until you realize that encompasses millions of people on the planet. No, the, the reality is, is that it wasn't that he had stuff. It's the fact that stuff had him. It, it's nothing wrong with having things. It's just something wrong when things have you. Because the reality, what Jesus is saying is, look, the more you've got, the greater the responsibility. The more you've been blessed, the more you've got to be a blessing. God blesses you in order for you to be a blessing to someone else. That's how it works. And so to who much is given, much becomes expected. And so that's kind of where we kind of get to today in 2 Timothy chapter 6. I hope you found that now. And if you haven't, it's going to be on the screen. But I want to read these three, these three verses where Paul specifically talks to Timothy. And he is speaking to him about how do those of us who are rich in this world, which again, we've already established, that's you. You may not feel rich. You may not think, and again, I'm not taking a special offering. This is not about any of this. This is really about us looking at, at, at our stuff and just kind of making some personal decisions and choices, especially coming into this holiday season. 2 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 says this, Command those who are rich in this present world, that be you, not to be arrogant, or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Notice, God's not some cosmic killjoy. He wants you to enjoy, but just remember who the source is. It's not your money, it's him. Look at verse 18. Command them to do good, to be rich, not in their money, but to be rich in good deeds and generous and willing to share. Again, there's that responsibility. Verse 19. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. It's speaking about heaven. So that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So first of all, we see in verse 17, God has blessed me with more than what I need. God's the one that blesses me with more than I need. It's God the one that gives the wealth. It's God the one, the one that blesses. It's God the one that does that. And it's not anything wrong with having stuff, but there's something wrong when stuff has me. See, because when you become, and again, I'm using the word rich intentionally, because most of us don't think that we are until you really look at the numbers and you realize how much God has blessed you and he's blessed me and the responsibility that we have. Being rich can introduce a lot of problems into our life. 
it becomes harder for us to depend upon God. Why? Because we have a tendency to depend upon ourselves, depend upon our stuff, depend upon our resources. I, I, I was talking to someone who doesn't live in this state, has no connection to this church. I want to be really careful what I say when I give illustrations so people don't think, well, if I share something with him, is he going to share that? No, I don't. And if I ever share something about somebody in the congregation, even if I don't give a name, I always go and ask for permission to do that privately. I don't wait till I'm standing in front of everybody and go, hey, Bob, do you mind if I share this with everybody? But these people had accumulated wealth. Um, drove a new car every couple of years. Everything kind of was paid for. They didn't live an extravagant or don't live an extravagant lifestyle. But yet she's never cashed a Social Security check. And she's in her 80s. Everyone just goes in the bank. They don't need it. His pension... And his investments took care of everything. Paid cash for a house when they retired. Retired early. So they're talking. There's a conversation. And I ask the question, so what are you going to do with all that money? And you may think that's a bit rude. But if you're going to be talking about it, then I'm going to ask. And so what are you going to do with all of your money? Because you've talked about your kids and grandkids that you're just going to go through it. Because they basically can't keep it together right now. Do you have a plan? And they just said, no, we've never really thought about it. It's just there, just in case. These are Christians, Christ followers, love Jesus, faithful in the local church that they're a part of. But, but the reality is, is, is I said, well, well, tell me, so it's just kind of like a backup. Yeah, so, so that we just don't want to ever run out and, and that kind of a deal. And when we're dead and gone, we just won't worry about it. And I said, but have you ever thought about, like, leaving that for, like, missions? Or a ministry that maybe is near and dear to your heart? Again, they don't attend Life Church, so this wasn't like a, hey, how about Life Church? They were so all about life change. <laughs> just sign right here. I don't do that. And, uh, and they said, no. I said, even your home, you know, you can set that up in such a way that that could go in, in perpetuity and, 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 and missions until Jesus comes back. It just amazed me that what they had done is good Christian people. They tied, they, they gave, they, they served, but they never thought because it was all about protecting them. And they were just going to let what was going to happen was going to happen. Fully admitting that their kids and their grandkids would just kind of go through it. See, it becomes harder for us to depend upon God because if we begin to depend upon ourselves, it can distract us from true priorities. When we're blessed, why are we blessed? Why, why is God giving this? What, 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 what's the reason for it? Is it just for my enjoyment? We know that's partially true because verse 17 says that, that, that to, to, to enjoy that and to understand that it's God that gives all these things for your enjoyment. But remember, it's not the money that's bringing the enjoyment. It's not the wealth that brings enjoyment. It's not the security that brings the enjoyment. It's God. And the other problem is, is that we have a greater sense of responsibility. Now, here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to feel guilty because God's blessed you. That's not what this is about. I'm not asking you to go out and sell your house and sell your car and go live on the street. I'm not asking you to go reduce yourself down to a, a one-bedroom efficiency, although some of you with kids that are adults that are living with you, you'd like to do that, and that's not, yeah, right? It's a joke, folks. Okay, anyhow, so, but, but, but what I'm saying is, 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 is I want you to feel the responsibility because there's nothing wrong with 
you having wealth. If there were, Paul would have said to Timothy, Timothy, anybody who's rich in the church, tell them to divest themselves of their money. If there's, anything, if there's anything wrong with wealth or with riches, he would have said, this is a sin. And get away from this as far as you can. No, no, no. It, it's, there's nothing wrong with things as long as things don't have you. And the only person that knows that is you and the Lord. Can I just tell you that's not my business or, your, or anybody else's business. That's between you and the Lord. What I'm talking to you is about is very private and personal. But what I do want to tell you is, is that you don't need to feel guilty, but you do need to feel responsible. So the second thing we see is that I'll not trust in my riches, but in him who richly provides. According to this passage, we see that Paul basically says, don't trust in riches, but trust in the one who richly provides. Verse 17 and verse 19, if you look back, you'll see, command those who are, pre- who are rich in this present world not to become arrogant, but to put their hope or to put their hope in wealth, but put their hope in God who richly provides for everything. And in this way, they lay up for themselves treasure in heaven to make sure that you understand that, that, that it's the Lord who's done that. Because here's what happens. People who love and trust in money, they never have enough. This is the problem. People that love and trust in money never have enough. It's the monster of more. If I have just a little bit more, if I make just a little bit more, if I make just a little bit more. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. Proverbs 18 verse 11 says, The rich think that their wealth is a strong defense and they imagine it to be a high wall of safety. The problem with you put your, your, your strength and your hope and you put your trust in riches instead of putting it in the Lord who is the one who blesses you is that you never have enough. The other issue is that you find it increasingly difficult, difficult to give big. People that, that, that put their trust in their riches find it difficult to give big. It's like that couple that I just told you that were retired. They, they, they didn't think anything about this nest egg and what was going to happen. They weren't even thinking about the stewardship of that. They were just simply trying to protect themselves. I love what Paul says to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2 and 3. He says, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, even beyond their own ability. Generosity has nothing to do with how much you have. It has everything to do with how big your heart is. Nothing. But the more that we have, if we're not careful, we put our trust in that. We put our hope in that. Should you plan? Absolutely. Should you be financially sound? No problem. Is something wrong with having investments? And No, not at all. Again, nothing wrong with having things, but there's something wrong when things have you. When your self-identity is based upon on the net worth that you have or your security and ability to be able to sleep at night is based upon how much money that you have. It's like the parable where Jesus talks about the man who built barns and bigger barns and never gave anything away and he hoarded and kept everything. And even at that very night, his very soul was taken from him because you can't take it with you. So the other issue is that people who love and trust the money have money in the bank, but they typically tend to have no peace in their hearts. Proverbs fifteen sixteen says, better a little with the fear of the Lord than a great wealth with turmoil. 
It's not about trusting the pile of cash that you have. It's about trusting God as your provider. And the third thing that we see here in, 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 in 2 Timothy is because I have more, I will give and I will do more. I've been blessed to be a blessing. I've been blessed to be a blessing. Again, God wants you and I to be not only does he want us to be blessed, he wants us to be blessed so that we can be rich in doing good. 1 Timothy 6.18 says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds. When you stand before God, and I stand before God, that's part of, part of the gig, is, is that I'm going to give an account, you're going to give an account, and it's a stewardship issue. I've been given much, I'm expected to do much. I've been given little, I'm not expected to do what someone else expected to do. You are not expected to run my race, I'm not expected to run your race. Don't ever get in the comparison game. It's not about how much you give. It's not giving from your abundance. It's giving from your need. It's what the, 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 the widows might when Jesus gets the disciples together after, after the synagogue service and, and, and they're all together. And he says, I want you to watch this. This woman right here is going to give less than one penny. She's going to give two mites. And she's going to give this. But she will give more than anyone else because everybody else is giving out of their abundance. But she's giving all that she has. She's giving out of her need. Her hope is built not in the resources and the wealth and the riches that God provides, but rather the God who provides the wealth and the resources. So as we talk about this, it, 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 you have to think, God wants me to be rich in doing good. And so in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12 says, love uh, uh, live such good lives among sinners or among pagans that they accuse you of doing wrong, that they may see your good deeds and glorify the God on the day that he visits us. We should be people who are known to do good. We should be people that are known to, 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 to be people that are, are doing good things. I'm actually working on a, on a, on a series right now that I wanna, I'll tease up that I'm going to do after the beginning of the year. There was a statement in one of the Democratic debates uh, by a candidate that, that got very little press in the media, uh, especially in the secular media, but the Atlantic Monthly, which is a secular magazine journal that I subscribe to uh, from the Northeast, that basically it's, it's not a Christian magazine or Christian publication. Quite frankly, I read very few Christian publications. Hate to say that to you, but I, 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 don't, I know what I believe and what I think. I'm curious what's going on in the world. And, and, uh, and this secular writer writes about this. And one of the things that was challenged is, is, that, is that, hey, I think that if I were to be elected as president, and again, this is not about a, a pro this stance or that stance, but I just got everybody's attention in the room when I started saying that because I'm in the middle of this intentionally. But made the statement, I think that the tax charitable contribution giving from every 501c3 faith-based Christian organization Non-Christian organization, faith-based organization should be lifted and, should be, and they should all be taxed. What was interesting wasn't the response from the secular media. What was interesting was the response of a particular writer. I, and, and again, it came up on the wire. I saw it. I read it. And, and, and I was like, wow. They made the statement. The government of the United States, if you were to take that benefit away from Christians in this country, 
Good luck the next time there's a tornado that hits Oklahoma or there's a hurricane that hits Florida. Because if you do the math, this is not a Christian, if you do the math, these people give more money and more help and more good works during disasters and times of stress in our country than any other group that's out there. The government could not tax us enough to be able to basically supply the need that would be left if this tax shelter was taken away. And I thought, wow. And he made this statement. This will get very, very, very little play and it hasn't gotten a bunch of reads. It'll get very little press because, because it's, it's dealing with, with a segment right now of the world that quite frankly is, is kind of marginalized in many ways. And so nobody wants to talk about this. I'm not a faith-based, I'm not a Bible thumper, I'm not a Christian kind of a person, but I'm telling you the amount of good that these people do alone saves us unreal amounts of dollars in taxes. And I thought, way to go. I sent it to every leader of every 501c3 that I knew, every faith-based Christian charitable organization that I knew. I just said, th- th- and I, I'm, I'm actually working on this, th- th- a sermon with a different, a different spin on this. But it was fascinating to me. Not, not what this candidate said, but the response from the secular media, from an outlet that is very much liberal, but very much, um, would you say, um, academic in some ways, uh, moderately, and, but very much respected as you were the New York Times or, or the Washington Post or Newsweek or Time Magazine. It's, it's in that level, that echelon. That, that's how they view you. That's how it should be. Nothing wrong with having things, but there's something wrong when things have us. We should be the people that when there's a disaster, we give. We should be the people when there's a hurricane, we go. We should be the people that do good all around, not just on our, our own United States of America. God bless America, right, amen? But, 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 but in the world. Why? Because God wants us to be rich in good deeds, and so when we do that, it makes a difference. We should live, as, as First Peter said, in such a way that the pagans and the sinners stop and they look at the life that you live. That's how we should live. Got your attention on that one. God wants you to be rich in generosity. Proverbs eleven twenty five says, A generous person will prosper and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. God wants you to be that person that's operating generosity. I want you to be that person operating generosity. As a pastor, this is the heart, not willing that any should perish. John 3, 16, for God loved you and I so much that he did what? That he prayed for us? No. That he gave us the Bible? No. God loved you and I so much that he gave. He gave his one and his only son. That's the good news. The good news is, is that there's a God that loves you and that loves me so much that he's willing to give not just some, but all so that we can come into relationship with him. And when we in the exact same pattern, we live our lives in such a way, we're rich in generosity. Because when you begin to live life that way, I'm telling you, your kindness, it, 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 it cuts through the, the meanness of the world in which we live in. Your, your kindness shuts everything else down. Your kindness is what will become so attractive to people. Remember, it's not God's judgment that leads us to repentance. It's not God's supremacy that leads us to repentance. It's not God's holiness that leads us to repentance. It's not that God is God that leads us to repentance. It's God's grace and his love and his kindness that leads you and I to repentance. 
Same way is true in the world in which we live in. People are not attracted to your holiness. They're not attracted to your judgment. They're not attracted to your rules. They're attracted to your kindness because they don't understand the rest of it until they walk out of darkness into light. Man, I'm preaching good. God wants you to be rich in relationships. John 13 says, a new command I give you to love one another. As I've loved you, so love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you will love one another. Can I help you with something? For me to love someone doesn't mean that I accept everything about them. For me to love someone doesn't mean you're not condone everything about them. For me to love someone, to hug someone, to tell them that they're, that, they're, that they're fearfully and wonderfully made and that God has a plan for their life doesn't do anything other than just accept them, that they are a person made in the image and likeness of God, that God has a plan and a purpose for their life, and that I love them, period. And when we do that, it changes, it changes the rhetoric. When we do that, it changes the conversation. When we do that to people that we like, that's easy. When we do that to people that we don't like, and you all have people you don't like, amen. I know who you are, amen. I'll never forget, I was at a, <laughs> it was a celebration for a, a, a pastor. And uh, they had been celebrating so many years, a milestone, 10 years, 15 years, whatever. 30 years, 50 years, I can't remember, and, and was, was at their church, and, and the pastor's wife got up, and she said, she said, now, I just want to say thank you for the gift today and the anniversary of us being here, and, and thank you for all your kindness and for your goodness, but I just want you to know some of y'all have not been nice, and you know who you are, <laughs> and I thought, oh, it's fixing to be on like Donkey Kong, and so we all have people but when we're kind to even those people that aren't kind to us, we show the love of Christ. Generosity and relationship. So today, here's what I want to simply do. As you shop Black Friday, and some of you, that's your thing, and you love that. Y'all go on with your bad self. I will be at home probably asleep, to be really honest with you, or in a very warm, comfortable recliner drinking coffee. Yeah. Nothing wrong with having stuff. Just remember, you are rich in this present world. And you have a responsibility. Don't forget, and all of your going and all of your doing over the next 30 days, this isn't about an offering. This isn't about anything other than you and the Lord. It's not my business. But to remind yourself, to set reminders about making sure that it's okay to have things, but that things don't have you. And that your source is a Lord. So I just want to show you practically what I do to help remind me of these things. Because in my world, it's very busy. In my world, it's, it's go, 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 and do, and there's always something, and always somewhere to be, and, and that kind of a deal, and, and there's always, you know, someone asking for something, or there's something going on, and so the reality is, is that I just have sometimes a difficult time just kind of remembering, just like you do, hey, how blessed I am. So I keep things in my office. I have a, a back study that just are there, and if people come in and see them, they may think, well, that's just kind of crazy, but, but, but here's what I keep. So one thing I have is a, I, have a, a, I have some, this is rice and beans, and these are from mission trips that I've gone on, where 
I, I found out that this will feed a family of so many for so long in the country that I was in. So this was in Haiti. And at that point in time, the uh, ships, the containers had the food supplies and everything they needed that was in port, but politics, not U.S. politics, but Haitian politics were tying everything up. And they were telling me these are as low as the shelves have been. And we're expecting this any day. It's there. We just need to get this to the people. And they said, but this is what we give people, these packs. Just rice and beans. And they're ecstatic to be able to get this. So I, I, said, I said, I'm going to ask something that's going to seem really, really selfish. But if you'll let me have this, I think I can raise a lot of money with this. And that is, I just want to buy this pack of rice and beans. I'll give you a hundred bucks for it, whatever. I, I don't want to try to take it from somebody, but I need this. So this sits on my shelf. I've had people come into my back office, my study, and go, what is this? And I go, oh, yeah, this is from Haiti, and this, is, this feeds a family, and, and this is a full meal. Because, again, if you sat down with your kids and said, what are we going to have for lunch or for dinner or for Thanksgiving, and you said, this is what we're going to have, they'd be like, I'm not eating that. I don't want that. I don't know that I'd be that different. But to know, wow, this, is, um, this reminds me there are people in the world that are ecstatic to have this. How blessed I am that I go, what am I hungry for today? Do I want to go get sushi? Do I want to, do I want to go get a hamburger? Do I want to go have a steak? Maybe I just need to be, do a salad. I, I, ha, I have in my back office this little, this little thing right here. It's like some little, little dolls and, and some bubbles and a little, uh, little purse. And this is a little girl's. And this was uh, a couple of years ago I was in Cambodia after the genocide that took place. And there were the, the people that were living that had been run out of their homes and had no place to live. And they were actually living on the water. And, and I went, and that was the day they were doing Christmas gifts. This is what they got for Christmas. These children didn't have anything. I, I, saw, I, I saw some kids that were about the ages of, of Ryan and Amanda's at that time. And I remember going, this would be like May and Ben and, and Eli. Sam wasn't even, even, even born at that point. And, and like seeing them. And it was like the, the brother got the little brother in the boat and the sister got the boat. And they were going down. And this is they were going to school. And this is where they were going. And there was a floating pr- playground that you actually helped give money for, to help provide for. And, and I had not been there yet. And, and this was a school and today was Christmas day. And so today they were sharing the, about the, the, the gospel message and the news of Jesus. And every little girl got one of these and every boy got one that was, that was like a little car set. And these were seven, eight, nine year olds. And again, I shamelessly ask if there's anything left, can I just buy one? I'll give you whatever you want for, I'll give you a hundred bucks. I, I don't care. I just, I need to sit this because I got to thinking, if I gave my eight-year-old daughter this, would she be ecstatic at Christmas? I'm not beating up on her. She doesn't know any different. But in the world in which we live in, no, this would be like going to the dollar store and here's a couple bucks. Get what you want. Use it. It's thrown around. We throw it in a bin. Eventually, it makes it into a recycling bin or to the trash and it goes on. But to those little kids that day, those little girls, I'll never forget their faces. Every time I see kids' faces anywhere in the world, they're, they're my girls' faces. And I just think, man, I'm blessed. I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed. And then there's that feeling of there's responsibility. So I keep this in my office. So right next to 
my theologic systematic theology that you get geeked out about, that's what I keep right there. And then I have one other thing that I keep. It's this envelope. I was preaching in Dodoma in the middle of Tanzania. It was the first time I'd ever preached where someone in the church, these people that just lived on so little, $2 a day, took a love offering for me. I was like, no, 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 no. And they said, no, 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 you don't understand. This is how God will bless us. If we don't bless the man of God, then God doesn't bless us. Which I know is a biblical principle. So they took this offering. The pastor wrote on the outside of it, his name and the name of the church. And inside, I, 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 can't, I can't cash it, I can't spend it. It's holy money to me. But it's just Tanzanian currency that came in that day. They simply put in this envelope and said, here, pastor, thank you for coming. May God bless you. I don't do this for any other reason other than it reminds me I have responsibility. Not as a pastor, but as a Christ follower. I'm blessed to be a blessing. So are you. So whatever that means during your lifetime, today, tomorrow, next week, next month, excel. Be rich, not just in the things of this world, but be rich in the good deeds that God's called you and I to do. Father, I just thank you today for the simplicity of your word. And I just pray that you would simply, Lord, help us to take to heart whatever it is that we need. Maybe our hope is put in money and and, and that's where it is. And we just need to ask you, God, to forgive us and put our hope and trust in you. Maybe, Lord, we're, we're, we're holding on to things and we just need to release them. God, maybe it's we just need to operate with more generosity. It may not even be a financial issue. It may just be our attitude or how we live life. It may be how we approach some of these things. Maybe we've had prejudice against people who have wealth or who, who are blessed. And, and we just need to go, there's... That's not the issue. The issue is that the heart, and no one can judge the heart except for you, Lord. Whatever it may be, God, I just pray help us to quit chasing stuff, to not be consumed with the monster of more, but rather to try to, in every fashion, in every way, and in every moment, operate with extreme generosity. Because that's what you've called us to. In Jesus' name, amen.